Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and thank you so much for joining me today. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio at One Rock Center in New York City. Thank you so much for producing this episode of the Refined Collective. You can follow along with Rockefeller on Twitter at Rock Center NYC or on Instagram at Rockefeller Center. Growing up in Southern Christian culture, I did not receive proper sex ed. In fact, the only sex ed I ever got was to not have sex until marriage. Once I got older, I felt embarrassed by my lack of knowledge and also realized I put myself in some sticky situations simply because I didn't know what I didn't know. So I committed to learning everything I could because with knowledge comes power. And I wanted to be able to show up in this area of my life with informed and enthusiastic consent. That's why I'm so excited to be partnering with Beducated. Beducated is the number one sexual health resource that gives you tools to level up your love life, your sexual health, sex ed, and consent. They have an online library with dozens of courses that are taught by the world's top experts. I recently took the female orgasm course and learned so much about my body, how it's wired. And did you know that there are different types of orgasms? Y'all, it was so fascinating. So are you ready to level up your love life and get the sex ed you never got? Beducated is offering TRC listeners a 24-hour free trial and 70% off for their yearly pass, which comes out to just $7.99 a month. Just go to beducate.me slash the refined collective and use my coupon code refined. That's B-E-D-U-C-A-T-E dot M-E slash the refined collective and use code refined. Once the code is applied, the discount is locked in for life. So go to beducate.me slash the refined collective or use the link in the show notes and use the code refined. All right, last week, I gave part one of what is now going to be a three-part series, $7 a day to a six-figure book deal. And I unpack how I went from making $7 a day in the nonprofit world to then making $4,300 a year in 2012 as a photographer to now in 2022, running a six-figure photography business with a team. And yeah, so I think why I wanted to share this story is because a few weeks ago, I ran across my old IRS, like W9 or whatever it's called, and saw that in 2012, I made $4,300. And like that was my gross for the year. And I just thought, man... I have come a long way. But when you're an entrepreneur, or really if you're just a human being in the thick of life, for me, it's so easy to constantly see where I'm not, to constantly see what I haven't done, what I haven't accomplished. And often because I have big visions and big goals for my life, I will accomplish one thing and then immediately run to the next without pausing and saying, wow, okay, 
What breakthroughs did I experience? What did I learn? How can I celebrate where I came from and and acknowledge where I am and then dream of where I want to go to next? Because 10 years ago, if you would have told me I had two businesses that were profitable, I would have laughed in your face because I was barely paying rent. So this story is not a story to say, hey, do like me. These 10 hacks will allow you to run multiple businesses and get six figures or whatever you want to say. Like in my book, there's just no quick hack. There's no overnight success. None of that. It's been a lot of fumbles and failures and leading with curiosity and trying things and them not working out only to find that, okay, this is the thing I really want to be doing. And so my hope is that you'd be encouraged and also hopefully gain some practical wisdom and insight along the way. But more so, I just want to share my story with you. So if you didn't listen to last week, it's on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, part one. And today is part two of this story, $7 a day to a six-figure book deal. And today, I'm going to be really focusing on the origin story of The Refined Woman, the online platform that you are now listening to, The Refined Collective Podcast. And next week, I'll go specifically into everything book-related, how I got a six-figure book deal, who I signed with, why did I sign with them, how I got meetings with big publishing houses, how I decided which publisher was right for me, pros and cons of getting an agent versus going solo, self-publishing versus going with a publisher, Because here's the deal. I feel like a lot of people that you talk to are like, I want to write a book. I could write a book. That's right here in my head. And most people say they're going to write a book and then never end up doing it for their whole lives. It just becomes a thing that they talk about or a thing that they think that they can do. And I will say that writing a book was and is the hardest work project and one of the hardest things I've ever done in my whole life. And it's not for the faint of heart. And there's so much I wish I would have known that I didn't know. And there's things I would do differently for next time. And I also just want to encourage you that you can shoot big. Everyone told me, everyone I talked to, other fellow authors, friends, mentors, publishing houses, agents, even my own agent was like, you are crazy if you think you can get a six-figure book deal. And I just was like, look, I think I can do that. I think I have what it takes for that. I think my work is that valuable. And I got it. And so not to say if you follow 50 steps that I do, you'll get that. But hopefully you will be encouraged by my story. So if you want to listen to part three, my book story today, you can go to patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. I am test driving this new thing where I release my podcast episode a week early on Patreon ad-free. And so if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free and early, go to patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. Okay. So last week, I talked to you about my photography journey. Now let's talk about the refined woman. So here's how it all started. It was, oh my gosh, I should know the exact year, right? I think it was 2013, the year after I made $4,300 in one year. I had been shooting New York Fashion Week for, I think, 12 seasons at that point. At that point, I had was very new into my photography business. I was in that hustle mode where I was going, sneaking into shows and trying to just do anything to book a photography job. And I was leaving New York City to fly back to LA after I believe my 12th season of Fashion Week. And I just got this like internal nudge, like I'll call it this like God nudge, or maybe it was intuition to start something for women, to start a blog or a publication for women. And I immediately dismissed myself. I thought, oh my gosh, the last thing the world needs is another blog. You know, 2012, 2013 was like the fashion bloggers, mommy bloggers. I mean, it was definitely becoming a thing. Like people like Sincerely Jules today, who has like millions and millions of followers in 2012 and 2013, she had like 20,000 Instagram followers. And it was like, oh my gosh, how could you ever get 20,000 Instagram followers? And, you know, now 10 years later, she has millions and millions in her own clothing line and all of that. 
But I just thought, man, I don't know, God, like the last thing the world seems to need is another blog. But I felt this invitation. And so I said yes to it. And the original idea was to show different women throughout the United States who were photographers who wanted to be feminine while they're on set because whether you're shooting a wedding or shooting an editorial, you're on your feet for often 12 to 14 hours a day. And I wanted to be this like cool young photographer who, you know, was able to be feminine and fashionable, but also functional and, you know, not have my back die by wearing high heels all day on set because that was, you know, impossible to do. So I thought, what if I get different women from big cities all over the U.S. who sort of submit to me what they wear on set or to a shoot or to shoot a wedding and then send me a blurb about where they got their clothes from and what did or didn't work. So I I grabbed myself. (laughs) So I was like from L.A. and I grabbed my friend Emily Scott from San Francisco. I invited a photographer friend from New York City and a girl from Florida to be a part of this little blog that I was doing. And I didn't really know what to call it or where to put it. And so I just put it on my wedding photography blog. Within a month of launching it, it had doubled my website traffic on my wedding photography blog. And it was also taking up a lot of time getting pictures, going back and forth with the women and scheduling and all of that. And so I thought, you know, why don't I make it its own thing? And why don't I just make it this a whole separate brand and it can just be a fashion blog and a fashion blog where we can have meaningful conversations and where we can, yes, talk about fashion, but hopefully have women know that they can be whatever size they want to be and be welcome at our table. And so, or they can have like a ton of money or no money and still like be cute when they go to work. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this uh, its own thing. And I didn't want to do it alone. So I asked my friend in San Francisco, Emily Scott, who was one of the features on my wedding blog for the fashion street style photography wear. And I asked her if she wanted to do it with me. And she said, yes. And let me just tell you a few things about Emily. First of all, she is one of the most effortlessly chic women I have ever met. I mean, the way this girl puts together outfits is just inspiring and also overwhelming because I just do not know how to do that. But she had incredible style and, you know, just this beautiful heart. Emily has such a huge heart. She's one of the most empathetic people I have ever met. She's a believer in people. And so I just felt ecstatic that we were doing this together. So she said yes. And I think it was like the beginning of January 2013. And she said yes. I drove from LA to San Francisco for the weekend, which is like an eight to 10 hour drive. And we purchased therefinedwoman.com on GoDaddy and got a Tumblr site set up. And we shot a bunch of content and a bunch of different outfit posts because we thought we're just going to be doing outfit posts. We created an Instagram account, all the things. And so we were super excited, but really naive. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to drive. I'm going to drive to San Francisco. We're going to shoot all this content. We're going to go live with two outfit posts a week on our blog and then go live with it on Instagram. And it's just going to be super easy. And what's done is done. Well, we made some pretty big mistakes that would definitely bite us in the ass later. First up, we didn't have any contracts. We didn't do any bank accounts. I mean, I didn't have a bank account for The Refined Woman until like, I think, seven years in. (laughs) Not that I was making money. We had no solidified roles or expectations that wasn't, okay, like I'm CEO and you're COO and or you're creative director or this is the weekly expectations, the monthly expectations, the quarterly expectations. Here's how much money we're both willing and able to invest into this thing. We didn't have any sort of mission statement or clear vision. 
We didn't have any conversations about what would happen if we wanted to separate or later on down the road, buy one another out. And so many people had told us going into business with your friend was like not a good idea and to get everything clear and on paper in the beginning so that, you know, when the road gets tough, it can protect the relationship. And we were like, not us, not I, said the cat. Like, we're fine. We're friends. We're good friends. We don't need any of that. We're just going to see how this goes. And I think I will say, if I have a regret, which I don't like saying I have a lot of regrets because I think every opportunity is an opportunity to grow. And this taught me so much. But from the very beginning, we didn't treat the refined woman like it was a legit thing. And so it didn't become a quote unquote thing for a really long time. It didn't become a profitable business until almost 10 years in. And I think a huge reason for that was because in the beginning, we acted like it was a hobby. So for years, it was a very expensive, draining hobby where we both felt very passionate about it, but with no direction, no roles, no expectations, a hobby is just a hobby. It's not a business. So yeah, we like just went forward guns a-blazing, no contracts, no bank accounts, no roles, no vision, no mission, nothing. We thought, you know what would be cool is if someday we could get free clothes or free hotel stays. <laughs> and that I feel like was our like big vision. Now I would have said at the time that my goal was to be a positive voice in the fashion industry, to be a space where women could come and know that their worth was so much greater than what size clothes they were or what brands they were wearing. And that's true. I believed that, but there was actually no sort of framework set up in the business to make sure that that was actually happening. And so when there is no vision, when there's no mission, when there's no framework by which we make decisions, then we become reactionary. So what I mean by that is without any framework behind the words of wanting to have impact, we just were putting out fires. We got in the hamster wheel of content creation and we were both running our own photography businesses and at the same time trying to come up with outfits and post two outfits a week and it was really, really hard to get ahead of the content. So since we had no sort of systems in place and no vision, we just got stuck on this fly by the seat of our pants, constantly feeling behind because we're constantly trying to put more content out there instead of pausing and being like, what are we really doing here? Like, where are we headed? What do we want to do? Like, what are we trying to say to the world? What do we want to invite people into? And is our content reflecting that? So that was some of what was going on. Also, I was insanely jealous of Emily. And we've talked about this. You know, she she wasn't is married to this great guy. And when we started our business or our very expensive hobby, they were just starting to plan for kids. They owned a house, which, oh my gosh, I was, what, that was 10 years ago. So I was 26 at the time, barely able to pay rent. And here my business partner owned a house at the age of 26 and basically had this life that I wanted. And she had great style and a ton of clothes and fashion came easy to her. And she had this husband who was also really good at photography and could take gorgeous pictures of her. And then there I was like jealous, green with envy, green with jealousy out of the wazoo. I could hardly pay rent. I had like three outfits to my name and do not have a natural knack for putting together like unique combinations. Like don't even get me started on like jewelry and accessorizing. My friends are always like, do these earrings look good? And I'm like, listen, I just own hoops. So like, don't ask me because I do not know. And so I was having a struggle fest putting outfits together. A, because I didn't have a lot of outfits. B, because it stressed me out. And so I got into this habit of buying and returning clothes that I couldn't afford so that I could create an outfit post. And granted, a lot of fashion bloggers did and do this. And there's an argument for doing that. But I feel like what was inauthentic for me about it is I was trying to like hold space for people who, you know, it doesn't matter what size you are, what brand you do or do not wear, what you can and can't afford. Like, just embrace yourself and embrace your worthiness, embrace your sense of style. And here I was like not able to do that. 
and was buying and returning clothes that I couldn't afford just so that I could put out content so that other women could know that they too could be worthy and not care about brands or what clothes they did or didn't have. So that was super tough. And it was also really hard for me to find people to shoot me and my outfits, which, yeah, you want to start a blog, but then if it's a photography-based blog, like I could take pictures of people, but I was constantly having a hard time getting my pictures taken. So I was just green with envy with Emily and her life. Like I wanted the life that she had. I I felt jealous and like a total fraud and completely insecure. Now, all of this is going on. So not a really great place to be starting a business or growing a social media presence when you are jealous, stuck in comparison, feel like a fake and are insecure. And this is the place where I started trying to grow our Instagram. And here's what I've learned about social media growth is, first of all, popular does not pay the bills. Let me repeat that. Popular does not pay the bills, y'all. Jenna Kutcher told me that years ago. And man, it is so freaking true. And when she said it, I was like, whatever, says the person who has almost a million followers, (laughs) you know, but... I have lived it. I've experienced it. And also, it's never going to be enough. At first, it was, let's break 1,000 followers, then 5,000. Then if we can just get to 10,000 followers, then we can have the swipe up link. And, And I don't even think that there was a swipe up link at first. We just wanted the like double digits on our followers. And then we started, I don't know if you remember those loop giveaways that everyone used to do. It was like when we gave away like, you know, $1,500 to Southwest or something and would get like 10 other quote unquote influencers or like-minded other people and who had like similar followings or even bigger followings. And basically everyone would like pay to be a part of the giveaway to pay for whatever the prize was. And then it would be like, to enter this giveaway, like this post and follow these 10 people. And we did that in the very beginning when loop giveaways were like hot and heavy. And in one day, we got 12,000 followers in like one day. So we went from like having, I don't know, a few thousand followers to like 20,000 followers within a week. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Now the deals are going to come in. Now we're gonna, people are going to want to be our agent. We're going to start getting free stuff. And we did it a few more times and then got close to 50,000 followers. And we did start getting some free clothes and hotel stays. And yeah, that's what we kind of wanted. But like I said, popular doesn't pay the bills. And I was still hardly making it as a photographer and started thinking, well, I will just be a very well-dressed homeless person if something doesn't change here. What I didn't realize at that time, but I can now say is, you know, now I have 60,000 followers. I had like 60.5 thousand followers in January and like I'm constantly losing followers. I've lost 500 followers this month. People are always asking me like, how do you grow your Instagram following? How do you grow? We're so obsessed with growing. And let me tell you, first of all, it's just never going to be enough. And I have these 60,000 followers, but a lot of how I grew that was through giveaways. And I may have gained like people, but not my people. I think the saying is like, it's better to have like a thousand loyal followers than like 10,000 fair weather friends. And if I were to do it all over again, I would focus on the person, the message, the impact, and not just like chasing this elusive carrot. Because once we got to 50,000, it was then the magic number became 100,000. If we can just get 100,000, then we can get representation. Then we can get an agent. Then we can really start making money. And it was just this freaking rat race. And so we're stuck in this rat race of growth and just, it almost didn't even matter to us like who those followers was. It was like, we just got to get these numbers up because if we get these numbers up, then we'll get money and then we'll build the business that we want as opposed to what's the vision, what message, like how do we want to leave the world a better place? So it was during this portion of the rat race that I had moved to New York City and Emily was a new mom and I was having a tough transition in New York City. Like I told you in last episode, I mean, I lived in a rat infested apartment. I shared a bed with my best friend. I was broke 
ass. <laughs> and Emily was a new mom and went through postpartum and was struggling with being a mom and a business owner and then running this other business, The Refined Woman, that was not bringing in any money. And I was starting to feel bitter because I was in New York and I was pounding the pavement and literally knocking on physical doors of PR agencies and fashion houses to get collaborations and opportunities. And opportunities did open with us. I mean, we've worked with SoulCycle, Anthropology, AYR, Everlane. I mean, Dry Bar. I mean, we've worked with a ton of really great brands, J. Crew, Madewell. And I felt like I was literally pounding the pavement and Emily was just reaping all these benefits of my hard work while she was sitting at home. Now, granted, she wasn't just sitting at home, <laughs> but I'm just sharing that I was jealous. I was bitter. I thought I was doing all this work by myself. And she also felt shame for constantly disappointing me. Yet, Again, we did not have clearly defined roles. We didn't have contracts. We didn't have, okay, maternity leave, nothing. And so we were just in this tough cycle of like me constantly feeling like I was like doing all this work, her feeling like she's constantly disappointing me and not really knowing how to get out of that. So we're in that cycle and we were about three to four years in at that point and to be frank, I was really sick of outfit posts. I didn't feel good doing them. They stressed me the hell out. And so I just thought, you know what? I want to start writing more. So I started writing about my life. That's where I started the blog series, Sexless in the City, that is now my book about my dating life in New York. I started sharing about how I had an eating disorder in college and my very public struggle with anxiety. And when I started sharing my heart, first of all, it's like it was therapeutic for myself, but I feel like that's when people really started coming and resonating with the brand, The Refined Woman, and our people started coming. Like they say, like, your vibe attracts your tribe. And really, I think it's true. When you put out there who you really are, then you're going to attract those people who are interested in those same sort of things, that same sort of growth as you're putting out there. So our following was growing, but it was it honestly never felt like enough for me. And I also started encouraging Emily to write because she's an incredible storyteller, one of the most beautiful photographers that I know, but also an incredibly gifted writer. And I was like, Emily you should start sharing about your birth and being a mom. And so she started, she wrote about her birth story and struggles of being a business owner and a mom. And people were really resonating with her. But again, it was like a time issue. And she was trying to do too much. And I had all these expectations that I was never really communicating until I felt disappointed. Oftentimes, we don't even know we have an expectation for ourselves or for someone else until we feel disappointment. Disappointment is like a lighthouse. It is a light that shines that we get to be curious about. Okay, I'm disappointed. That means that there was an expectation there. What was the expectation? Did I communicate that expectation? What can I do now to course correct? So constantly feeling disappointed with Emily, disappointed with the elusive social media growth chase that we were in. And we came to a breaking point and it felt like it was time to separate, but we also had started this together and I didn't feel like I could ask her to leave. I didn't know how to ask her to leave. I felt super loyal to her because she was my friend and she had also floated the bill in the beginning. And, you know, we weren't spending thousands and thousands of dollars, but what we did spend, she purchased the Tumblr. She would make little investments here and there because like like I said, I'm sharing a bed with someone and I couldn't afford it. And so there was just messiness there. We had no sort of system in place to say, how do we end this well? And we both were really committed to our friendship and didn't want to ruin our friendship. And we had this like constant joke that we had harder convos running this business together than she had had in her marriage. She's like, man, we are constantly like having hard combos. And 
long story short, I flew to San Francisco for a weekend and we spent time together and we uh, got a hotel in the city with just me and her and her newborn baby van at the time. Oh my gosh, she was so cute. And we just spent time together and like both realized, hey, it's time. Like it's time. It's time. It's time for both of us to move on. And we both cried and we both knew it was right. And the beautiful thing is I feel like once we let go of our attachment to each other and our attachment to like the refined woman has to be this and it has to be us together at all times, we basically broke up and that gave her the space to birth Encourage Vintage, which is her clothing collection that is incredible. It's a vintage clothing store collection that she has online and she sells e-com. It's so up her alley. And as soon as she opened it, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is so Emily. And then I ended up feeling like I had the freedom to take the refined woman in a completely new direction. I stopped doing outfit posts altogether. I did way more writing and all like the relationship coaching, all of that came after the separation. So I think sometimes we have to be willing to let one dream die in order to be open to another dream that we don't even know exists. You may not know this, but I run two full-time businesses, The Refined Woman, which includes this podcast and things like my book. And I've also been a full-time photographer for over a decade. Life can easily get complicated balancing the two and constantly being on the go. One self-care hack that has changed my life is making sure I always have a healthy snack on hand that is quick and easy so I can just grab and go. My current favorite is the 100% grass-fed beef sticks from Paleo Valley. Did you know that companies can claim their beef is grass-fed as long as the cow is fed grass at some point in its life? Oftentimes, the cows will be finished on grain but are still marketed as grass-fed. Paleo Valley is clear about their process and their ingredients. Their beef sticks come from small, American-owned farms that practice rotational grazing, and their cows are always fed and finished with grass. Plus, Paleo Valley beef sticks are free of hydrogenated oils, making it one of the healthiest meat snacks on the market. Go to www.paleovalley.com and use code CAT15 for 15% off your first purchase. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com and use code CAT, that's K-A-T, 15 for 15% off your first order. It's no secret that health and wellness are a huge priority to me, as well as a consistent morning routine. I started using Athletic Greens this year to take care of my gut health. So here's my morning ritual. I wake up, put lotion on my face, and then put a scoop of Athletic Greens into a glass of water and then go to my couch and have my daily time with God. With one yummy scoop of Athletic Greens, I absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Honestly, what better way to start the day? What I love about Athletic Greens is that it's lifestyle-friendly, So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or if you're gluten-free like me. As we head into flu season, reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash cat. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash cat, K-A-T, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. A few months after Emily and I separated, I paid $20,000 that I honestly did not have to join Jenna Kutcher's mastermind. Now, I thought, Like I thought with a lot of other things, like this will be the thing. I'm going to pay $20,000. I'm going to get the code. I'm going to get the hack. I'm going to hit $100,000. I'm going to get this feature on this blog. I'm going to get these open doors. I was always looking for a thing to be the thing that led to the breakthrough. But mm, life doesn't work like that. And like 
Typically, breakthrough happens after showing up faithfully and showing up and putting in the work over a long period of time so that when the breakthrough comes, you're ready to break through it. If you want to break through, there has to be something to break through and you've got to be ready to break through it. So I paid the $20,000 and honestly, here's what happened in the Jenna Kutcher mastermind. The biggest breakthrough I had was that I could afford to invest $20,000 into myself and into my business. So what you had to do is pay like, I think $4,000 up front and then you're on a monthly payment plan for $2,000. Now at the time I was making about $25,000 a year. And so by committing to spending an additional $2,000 a month on a coaching program, I was doubling my monthly expenses and I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. But I felt this like deep challenge within me, almost like if you build it, they will come. And I wanted to show myself, I wanted to see if I take a risk on myself, will I rise to the occasion? And I did. I didn't know that I could rise to the occasion. I didn't know that I could be so committed to this mastermind that I could find a way to come up with an extra $2,000 every month. And that right there was worth the $20,000. Me showing myself that I can put my money where my mouth is. I also learned that any penny that you invest into yourself, whether it's therapy, coaching, mastermind, workshops, retreats, you will never regret any of it. It will always come back to you. Every penny I've invested has come back to me either monetarily or in some other very valuable way. Now, what I got from Jenna Kutcher and from the other 15 to 20 women in the mastermind that was priceless was feedback. I got constant feedback. We did hot seats all the time where one person would sit in the middle and say, hey, I'm struggling with this in my business this month. What's your perspective? And unanimously throughout this time, in every hot seat, people were like, stop talking about fashion. Start talking about your life. Start talking about dating and singleness because in person with my friends and my girlfriends, I was, I was on this journey of figuring out sexuality and what do I believe about sex and dating and So I was talking about that all the time in real life and never online because I was like, I'm a fashion blogger and I talk about things that have to do with fashion and social media. And they were like, girl, your secret sauce is talking about relationships. Do it. And so I started doing it. I learned all about online courses and email funnels and how to create a social media calendar. And my goal for the entire year of this mastermind was two things. I wanted to launch an online course and I wanted to start a podcast. So my goal at the end of the 12 months was to start a podcast. Well, with the help of Jenna Kutcher and really her sister, Kate Ascuri, who was working for her at the time, like literally sat me down and taught me step-by-step how to start and create a podcast. And I did that not in 12 months, but in three months. So sometimes when you put your money where your mouth is, you start seeing results a lot quicker because there is a fire lit under your ass. I also launched my first course called Activate Your Dating Life. I did that eight months into the mastermind and I had zero dollars for a marketing budget and I brought in $10,000. And it wasn't $50,000 or like a seven-figure or six-figure or you know what I thought I would get because I felt like, All of my friends that had courses were launching and making $50,000 overnight. But I was still proud of bringing in the $10,000. And that was the most the refined woman had ever brought in. Yes, I paid $20,000 for the mastermind and I only brought $10,000 in from this course. But it felt awesome. Like it felt like, oh my gosh, I can do this. And so then I got into like the course cycle and where I was doing the free webinar and like, pumping people to join my free webinar and doing this free online hour-long teaching thing. And then at the end of it, enrolling people into a $250 course that, let me tell you, it's a freaking bomb course. So if you want to activate your dating life, you can go on my website, therefinewoman.com and go to the shop and still have access to it. But I don't sell it anymore via uh, webinars or anything. So after that launch, I was like, okay, 
I made $10,000. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go big for my next launch. I'm going to take that entire $10,000 and then an additional $5,000 out of my own pocket. And I'm going to invest all of that into Facebook ads. Like I went hard. I hired one of the top Facebook ad specialists in the industry. And I worked my butt off. And my launch brought in a total of $20,000, which means if you're doing the math correctly, I made less than my first launch. My first launch, I invested $0 and brought in $10,000. My second launch, I invested $15,000 into Facebook and Instagram ads and brought home a total of $5,000. I was devastated. and But I thought, okay, no, we're going to keep doing this. I launched one more time and I broke even with the amount I spent on ads versus what I brought in. I was burnt out. I felt like a complete failure. And I just started to believe that, you know what, courses just don't work for me. And to be frank, I haven't done a course launch since then. And because I started to believe that, well, course launches don't work for me, my obsession turned from first, let's grow Instagram, then let's do these course launches. Then it all it became about an obsession of podcast downloads because I had started my podcast and all of it. It was like, if I can just get X amount of downloads, then I'll bring in the money. Like I just, throughout most of the time at The Refined Woman, I think I was so stuck financially and so stuck with what I was doing here because I was being driven by money. I was like, I want to grow so I can get free clothes. I want to grow so I can get money. I want to sell this course so I can pay my bills. And it's not bad to want your business to make money. If you don't make money off of your business, then it's just a hobby. And also, like, whenever I have been so obsessed about money, like, none of my creative endeavors have really worked. Here is what I wish someone would have told me. Although, I don't know if I would have even listened to them. First of all, starting a podcast is a whole other business entity. It's not just another side project. I thought, oh, like I'll keep doing my blog and then I'll start a podcast. And then magically overnight, I'll be getting, you know, 10, 20,000 downloads an episode and I'll be making a crap ton of money. No, it does not work like that. The average podcast gets around 166 downloads per episode. And in order to start making any sort of like, okay money, not even good money. You need to be having at least 10,000 downloads per episode, which will give you around $200 to $250 in ad spot. Most podcasts have two to three ads in them. Let's say you're at that price point and you have two ads per episode and four episodes per month. That's only $2,000 a month, which is $24,000 a year. So Again, average podcast gets 166 downloads per episode. You're not really making any around any sort of money until you're at 10K an episode. I am four years in and I am around eight to 9,000 downloads an episode. The goal this year is to end 2022 at 12.5. So yeah, a podcast is not just a side project. It's a full-time job. Now here's something that I wish someone would have told me as well. And again, I don't know if I would have listened to it in the moment. Instead of being driven by curiosity, by purpose, by calling, I, for years in The Refined Woman, became singularly focused on what's going to bring me money, what's going to bring me numbers, how can I grow, grow, grow. I'll only be successful if I have these number of followers, these number of downloads, these sponsorship deals, and this amount of money in my bank account. I could honestly go on and on about the twists and the turns of the refined woman. Here's where I'm at. If you don't have a clear vision, you'll get caught in the weeds and be reactive instead of proactive. Two, comparison sucks. Like it's never good. It steals your joy. Comparison either elevates you above another person, which is pride, arrogance, and ego, or tells you you're less than another person, which is still a subtle way of making it about you, which is pride, arrogance, and ego. And it steals your joy. It steals your presence. It just is all around crappy. To answer the question, how do you grow your following and how do you get the numbers? You just keep showing up. Stay consistent. Create content that is honest, 
not just a cheap shot at making money. A number is a person. What I am committed to now more than ever is caring less about how many likes I'm getting and being most curious about the story I'm inviting people into. And how can I be of service? How can I be of service to you? I don't want to just share this story to blow smoke up my own or to meet the needs that I have for a sponsorship request. I want to be of service. I want to be a part of doing life and impacting others' lives. Next, success is not a number, it's a person. For most of the last nine years of The Refined Woman, I let myself be defined by an algorithm that in all truth, I can't control. I created a hamster wheel that I put myself on and ran myself into the ground trying to grow. And in that, you'll remember if you listen to my podcast episode with Johan from the very first episode of 2022, we talk about vision, reality, and the gap. So we have our vision, and then we have our reality. And then between the two is a gap. And within that gap lies our failures, our comparisons, our not yet, whatever is in between our vision and reality or our reality in the vision. And I have let my failures and my not yet's and my comparisons define me. Like when I did three course launches and then decided these just don't work for me. I failed at these course launches And so I'm not going to do them again. I'm not going to hope that way again. I'm not going to play big anymore. I'm just not going to do that. I let that failure, which is it really a failure? Why was it a failure? Was it a failure just because I said it was a failure? What if I looked at those course launches as, wow, 500 women all over the world got to have breakthrough in their dating life. How can that be a failure if... 500 women had lives that were changed and transformed and impacted. I let my own defined failures define me. And I've let my failures keep me from hoping and playing big. Better not do that again. That was embarrassing. So instead, how I want to show up is, okay, like it's okay if I feel disappointed, but what can I learn from this? Like what if life isn't about making the money or getting the followers or the likes? What if it's about our growth and how we can personally grow and then create a space for others to grow alongside us? When I actually started making money at The Refined Woman is when I said F you to the growth strategies that I had. And I got clear about who my people were, redefining success and leading with a posture of curiosity. Now, I still have really big financial goals with The Refined Woman, and The Refined Woman doesn't make me a ton of money yet. (laughs) And as grateful as I am for photography, it's allowed me to do The Refined Woman all these years. I love one day soon to have The Refined Woman be the only thing I do. But I've stopped letting numbers inform my content. Instead, I want to share my heart, and I want to share my story and my curiosity and trust Trust, trust, trust that as I focus on play, heart, relationships instead of performance and external validation through hitting some arbitrary goal, life and purpose unfolds there. Life and purpose unfold in the curiosity, in the relationship, in the heart, not via numbers. And as silly as it sounds, it really, really is true. My biggest financial breakthroughs for The Refined Woman have come when I've let go of my attachment to the numbers and focused on a person. Now, I can't tell you how to start a blog. I can't tell you how to double your following in 10 easy steps. But I can tell you when you are clear with your vision, when you let go of the obsession of the numbers and the algorithms and lead from your heart and focus on speaking life over your tiny corner of the world, you'll be wildly blown away at how your business actually starts to grow and fall into place. For example, My last episode of 2021 was called I Kind of Suck at Dating. And it was really one of my first podcast episodes where I let you into my process in real time. Like I'm going through a heartbreak. I got dumped (laughs) and I'm a relationship coach and don't want to share this with you because I feel like a fake and maybe I will lose my legitimacy. 
And I don't want to share with the world that I'm hurting because it feels vulnerable. That podcast episode had and has more downloads than almost any episode we've had in the last four years. Why? Because I let go of the content I should create and I created the content that was in my heart. And finally, because I've been honest with you about the numbers of my business, I'll tell you how much money I made last year in The Refined Woman. I think I told you in my last episode, I brought in a gross of 120K from photography in 2021. And for The Refined Woman, I brought in a gross, I still haven't done my taxes totally, but I brought in a gross of 50K last year. So $50,000, like that's not bad, right? It's not great, it's not bad. But my overhead was really high. And and because of a lot of what I spent on my book launch, which I will talk with you about next week. So my net from The Refined Woman last year was about $20,000, maybe $25,000 max. And that's still, man, I'm like nine years in and it feels humbling to admit that to you. Like, man, I'm like going on my 10th year of business. I still can't live anywhere near the life I want to live off a $20,000 paycheck for the entire year. So... I'm not rolling in the dough over here at TRW yet, but I am believing for financial breakthrough for the refined woman. And uh, finally, the last part of this story is to tell you how I did get the six-figure book deal with one of the top publishers in the world. I still can't believe it happened for me. And that is going to be in next week's episode, part three, $7 a day to a six-figure book deal. If you want to listen to that now, go to patreon.com slash The Refined Collective, where you can listen to next week's podcast episode and have access to over 50 exclusive videos and podcasts that are exclusive just for the Patreon community. All right. I feel super vulnerable right now and I don't really know how to end this episode, but I'll just say thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I can't wait to connect soon.